Okay. Welcome, welcome. This is lesson number three. We're learning about prayers. And we'll start off with the story of the mayor in town who's, you know, walking with his wife. And they're walking, walking down the street, and suddenly the wife sees a... a Whatever, uh, someone who's cleaning the cleaning the the street and says, "Hi, hello, how you doing? How's everything? Thank God." And they moved on. So the mayor is like, "So who who was that?" So she said, "Oh, that he he was a guy I used to date before I met you." So the the mayor said, "Oh, thank God, because if if you wouldn't have met me, so then you will be married to a." Um, uh, you will be married uh, to someone who cleans, uh, who cleans uh, the, the streets. Nothing wrong with that, but it's not the mayor. And, and the wife says, no, 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 he got it wrong. If I would have married him, he would have been the mayor. Point is that, and as we're going to see from this lesson, is that, that what is reality or what's the, what's the true default of existence? And that's a question that we're going to tackle and as well we're going to see how prayer helps us figure that out what's the true default of existence so what, what's what does that question mean the question means wait when you hear about god let's say someone read or, or you listen or angel angels god is that like you know add something additional to this world that this world is like the default of existence and then when we say God or we say angels in spirituality, that's like a, an add-on. Mm. If I want, you know, I'm checking out on, on my card, I could add on stuff, you know. And that's the existence is this, and I could add on God or I could add on other stuff. Or it's the opposite. It's the, it's the reverse. The default of existence is, is God and spirituality. And we are an add-on in existence. like the second one more so the, although we and uh, makes more sense to like the second one but ultimately it's what is harder to what is our experience when we wake up and we're drinking water drinking wine do you, do you feel like godliness in the wine do you is it is it something that's alive most people struggle most people feel themselves as the opposite but no that Myself and my needs and my wants, that's the default of existence, you know? And that's where everything starts and finishes. Oh, to be of service, to have God, to think about others, that's how, you know, if I'm a good person, I'm going to make a nice Instagram post of, you know, me feeding the needy, so then, you know, that's, a, that's an Adam. Or it's the opposite. But the default of your existence is to be, you know, helping those in need. Ah, your needs, okay, that's an add-on. You know, that's something that you'll need to figure it out, but that's not the default of existence. So, although it makes sense and it's more appealing and it's nicer the second one, but it's way harder to live our life on the second uh, sphere. Oh, I agree. Which one's, sorry, up on the Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, I have a more realistic view that our existence is depression and that we try to fill our existence with godliness. And two, I was just reading up on, was it, I forgot who it said it, but uh, first you must take care of yourself. Who else will take care of? Yeah, if not now, when? 
ואם לא עכשיו, אם אתה... Right, so the second part of it, ואם אני לעצמי, which means that if I'm only for myself, if I'm only taking care of my needs and myself, so then what am I? It's like, really? That, that's why you came to this world, to just take care of yourself? So we have like both sides of the coin over there. And if not now, when? Yeah, that is a very, basically saying that time is also um, not valuable. Time also has a purpose. So if you're not going to use the time now, you're going to miss the purpose that time has for itself as a creation. But regarding what you said, that the default is depression. So that is a view, but that's not the Torah's view. Because ultimately depends, it, it would kind of like depend what is our default, the, the default existence in the first place. Well, nothing. Nothingness. There was nothing and then there was something. Godliness was brought into this world. That's, what a second. When you say that there was nothing and then there was something. When we say nothing, are we referring that God is... Mm, the empty canvas yet to be painted, which isn't nothing. It is something. It is something, and then if it's something, is that something the true existence, or the creation is the true existence? Okay. And before we jump ahead, this is, we're going to see the texts inside, but this is basically the difference between having a, a, a what's called in Hebrew, dat tachton, which means a lower consciousness, or dat elion, which means a higher consciousness. Lower consciousness is when we understand that the default of existence is this world and the add-on is God. Or the intruder or the one that doesn't really belong, or the one that you know that we need to justify is God. That's a lower consciousness, and that's usually consciousness that most people have in the world. And we're, we're, this is not a, a flaw. This is by design. God designed us in such a way that we, understand, that, that, that we have the lower, not lower, we have the lower level of consciousness. What's the higher level of consciousness? That is the opposite. When the true meaning or the default existence is God and the intruder or what needs to be explained is this world. Physicality needs to be explained. But God, that's, that's the true existence. And that's a higher level of consciousness. Is that what today's I haven't got there yet, but it might be. It was about the, the higher level of Kavanaugh, intellectual appreciation, the lower level of Kavanaugh. Um, is the is talking about prayer? Uh, Kavanaugh can be classified into two categories now. Right. So that's it's that's the intentionality that we have when it comes to it's connected, but it's not it's connected, but it's it, it's not exactly. We were talking more in a macro level. We're talking more like in the in the when it comes when we say this world or existence, it's a very you know general world, general word. So how do we apply it? How do we apply true existence? So, um, so there is these two types of consciousness, two types of levels. Usually, creation, us, we have the lower one, where we think that we are the default. We wake up, we feel ourselves, we are the obvious. Yeah, I'm, I'm around. I exist. I have needs, of course. 
And God, God needs to be introduced. He needs to be, you know, spirituality needs to be introduced to my life. Then we have the, and, and then we have the higher one, which is that now that God is the true existence and creation is the, the, what needs to be explained or the Adam. Make sense? Yeah? The, 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 the objective of prayer is to be able to change that mindset. When we pray, the objective is not only to ask, as we mentioned in the past class, requests or petitions but that ultimately is for us to live a life where our consciousness is in the highest level it's in the higher consciousness where we take god and spirituality what we don't see we take us as the true existence default existence and all the rest creation my needs physicality my all of that needs to be explained all of that needs to be um it's, it's the add-on to existence. Or that's what's created. And that's the whole purpose. And, and, and basically, once we have the higher consciousness, so then we take uh, decisions are, are different, our, our, you know, our actions are different. All of our life changes once we have this perspective. Now, to get to that perspective is really hard. You may ask, why did, if the whole point of the Siddur is for us to have you know, this higher, this higher consciousness. So why God didn't create us to begin with, with the highest consciousness? Why did we have to be created with a lower consciousness? And then to be, for us to be working and for us to be, you know, meditating and understanding of this higher level of consciousness. Why the hassle? Hasidus explains, Kabbalah explains that if our default creation would have been that we recognize God, so there would be really no, there will be really no creation. What I mean with that is God wanted to create a world that is independent, quote unquote, independent from God. That the, that the, the, the feeling of the creation is a feeling of, of independence. Independ they're independent from God. They don't need anything. To survive, I'm here. You know, that's the feeling that babies are born. That's the natural feeling. You know, babies here and their needs is the most real thing. And that's why they're going to cry at midnight or whatever time in the middle of the night. They're going to cry. Why? Because the baby's feeling is that there's nothing more important than me needing to needing to eat. There's, there's no way uh, even the consciousness about uh, explaining, no, they're sleeping now. It's you know, maybe waiting for a few more hours until the mother wakes up. It doesn't even exist. And that is how we are created. We're created in the sense of independence. That, you know, that we are, our, our, who we are and what we need, it's the most important. And creations like us, recognizing God, is when a relationship could start. Doctor. It's when a relationship could start. Started. Get started, yeah. What I mean with that is that if we were created in a way that we acknowledge God to begin with, as soon as we're born, we're already enlightened and, and, and can see God, can acknowledge God. So then basically 
the creation or us and God wouldn't be two different entities. We would be part of the whole same entity. We'd be like one whole thing starts over here and finishes over here. And everything, the whole organism recognizes each other. Now, the whole purpose of us being here is because God wanted someone, wanted a companionship, a companionship, wanted um, someone who to be with. So in order to have someone else, the other entity needs to be feel independent. So that could only, and once that other entity is an independent entity, so then they could be together and you can have a relationship. You could have, you could get started with a relationship, with a closeness to someone else. You cannot be close to yourself. You, you can only be close to someone else. So once that, that other else exists, then you can get close, then you can start a relationship. God created entities that they feel they're independent beings in order to start a relationship because they'll eventually the purpose is to them to recognize God and have a relationship with God. Make sense? A little bit. I feel like you said that we're not supposed to feel close with ourselves. In other words, the same way as you cannot be distanced from yourself, you cannot be close to yourself either. Okay. Closeness and, and, and distance could apply to two different things. You know, I have two cups. They could be close to each other, they could be away from each other. But if I have, let's say, it's one cup, I cannot say that this and this is closer or, or, or more distant. It's the same. Or, or just taking us. We are as close and as distant to ourselves all the time. Meaning there's no, we cannot be further away from us or closer to ourselves. And I'm not meaning the closer on, on you know, on mindset, because we could always get distracted and we, we call it that we're, that we are far away or, or, or not, or we call that we're self close. But when it comes to one, there's no close and far, there's no far and close. Only when there is two entities, there is far and close. Okay. Because like in my mindset, I was thinking like lower level consciousness would be distance from yourself higher level consciousness would be you're close to yourself. Lower level consciousness would be distant. Yeah, so like you're not really in tune <coughs> with who you are with God, so you're, distance, you're distant from yourself. From yourself or from God? Uh, hmm. Well, yeah, I think it would be from technically God. Because yeah. you take yourself so serious yeah. that then that there is a distinction between you and God right away. Yeah. And the whole... Yeah, so, th so that's why we are created you know, with our default is to have a lower consciousness. It's by design. It's not a flaw. We're human beings by design with, with our you know, understanding of who we are. But ultimately, that's not the, that's not the goal. The goal is not to stay as we are born. The goal is not to be babies and our the, the, the goal is to grow up and I don't mean to grow up in a, in a physical way more in a spiritual way 
to stop being so focused in all of our needs and our wants of everything that you know, a, a baby cannot rationale with a baby. If a baby, if a baby wants it this way and you give it the other way, it doesn't matter. He's going to start crying, and you know the world is over for him. And sometimes we take those aspects of immaturity and we bring it along. We never mature from that, and we bring it along to other things. You know, if this person talks to me in this way, in this other way, so then it's unacceptable and, and, and I cannot get beyond that. I cannot mature from, not from that experience, but I cannot, um, my needs and, and my independence is always at the core and the center of my life and everything that I do. Same way, same as a baby. Of course, it's not going to be the same needs. Mm-hmm. When, we're, when you're older, we usually it's more maybe money or respect or or influence, whatever it is, or a baby is more toys and, 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 you know, stuff that are meaningful for a baby. But the whole purpose of prayer is to be able to leave the mindset, the lower consciousness, and to emerge and to go into the mindset of higher consciousness. And that, there is a process to that. And that's why we pray. That there is a tefillah. There is a, there is a prayer there is a, a certain steps that we take we say a certain types of prayer at the beginning and then we say prayers for their moving along and, and, and which one of the prayers each one of the praises they get us on a higher level and that helps us to get to this level of consciousness and, and that's the point you know, as, we, as we were talking before that keeps us focused pray three times a day because it's needed okay so we're not going to get we're not going to have a chance to go through all the all the texts but we're going to start and this is interactive class so questions please don't hesitate to ask okay so exercise number one Um, questions sorry uh what's the code for the park or four one four one four one four one yeah you can skip me and go to him while i do that right uh shachaf text one um or the front yeah, let's start from lesson three, the beginning. The beginning. <clears throat> um, it's all Hebrew to me, making sense of uh, liturgy one step at a time. Confusing, random, rep- repetitive, to the unintended, uh, in the deeper dynamics of powerful prayer, the Jewish prayer book is bewild- bewilderly, bewild- excuse me, bewildering, this lesson bears the brilliance and strategy buried in the sequence of its many verses and prayers. It sheds lights on uh, the structure critical for genuine and intimate human to God uh, dialogue, uh, resulting in uh, in a step by step guide to our divine relationship. Yeah, step by step guide, because it's a it's a it's a process, but the ultimate is the divine relationship, that ability that we have to connect with God in the higher consciousness. Okay, exercise number three one. This is going to be a you know, cartoon type exercise. So what do you guys think? What do you guys think the story is? Sorry guys, um, what's the name of the website or the parking thing? Um, Parkies. Uh, Parkies? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I found it, thank Got you. It? Yeah. Harrison, any comments on the cartoons? Oh, page page seventy. Yeah. 
Okay, so basically, exercise 3, number 3.1, could be, you have a lot of stories, but the story that, that, that gives a message for this class is as following. But we start off in class number one, in, in figure number one, it starts off by this um, lady, we call her Jackie. She is, you know, um, how do you say tipping tipping toe tiptoeing tip around the CEO's boss around the CEO's office not interested doesn't want to see her then figure number two she's like working from home she's not around but the CEO comes because she needs her help so number three suddenly you see how there is a you know you see how the CEO is handling over to her you know the strategy and how the company is built and how everything impacts everything in the company then number four you know she's in a more intimate way saying and laying out the foundations and as you see the chart is just growing up for the vision and then in number five she goes to the ceo's family and she's her, she sees her in her intimate in, in her private space and basically this is uh, kind of like the same experience that we have when it comes to prayer when it comes to prayer we start off in a way that we want to be away from a boss. We are, you know, we are who we are. We we have our routines, we have our needs, we have whatever we have, and we want to we don't want to want we don't want we don't want to know anything else. We're happy the way we are. But then we see that no, there is a certain calling. The bosses, the CEO is coming around and saying, Look, I need you for this or that. And then number three sort of seeing how the actually the CEO, you know, is really smart and really has a vision. And until you become a number five, you become um, in, a, in a more intimate way connected with the CEO. That's an example of kind of like the same structure that prayer has. Starts from being totally not unaware, but unrelated to the boss. And all the way up until when it come together in the um, private space. Okay, so text number one. We're going to see the idea that we spoke before in the words of the Rebbe. Um, ready now, Dustin? Yes. Text number one? Text number one. Yeah. All right. The unique quality of our physical world, which distinguishes it from all spiritual worlds, is that the beings of this world feel as though they exist independently. This can be explained by analyzing the difference between light and creations. Light is a reflection of a luminary. The very existence of light demonstrates to the onlooker that there is a luminary. Creations, however, are different. Not only do they not reflect their creator, they conceal him. Creations feel as though they exist independently. Only through logic can they realize this isn't so. Yeah, and that's uh, the, the, what we said, the same idea we spoke before, but here we see that the term that usually is used for, for spiritual beings, we use the, the term light, but for the physical beings, we use the term creations because it's not just uh, semantics, it's not just words, but it goes to the core identity of each one of them. When it comes to light, as soon as you see a light, right away you know that light is coming from somewhere. If you see uh, uh, something shining, you know that that has a source. If you come to a room that is light, it's most probably light bulbs. You know, the light the, the screams, there's, I come from somewhere. I'm not independent, I'm coming from somewhere. Creations, on the other hand, 
sorry, and light is the usually the spiritual creations or spiritual um, entities. We call them light. When it comes to our world, we call it creations. Because a creation, it doesn't scream, um, I'm coming from somewhere, but the other way around. It screams, I'm independent. I'm who I am, and I don't need anything else. And this is the difference between the two um, consciousnesses that we spoke before. Creations are called creations because they feel that they're the default of existence. But when it comes to light, light screams, I'm not the default of existence. There's something that I'm coming from. The light bulb or the, 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 the source of the light. And that's the highest level of consciousness. And we'll see that text number two, that that is the purpose of prayer. Um, Harrison, you want to read? Seventy two. Light can go away, but, but existence creations can't. Again, what? Because light can go away and creations can't. Um actually they both can can go I don't know I'm not sure what the question is, can go away, but the point that maybe point is that when you see light in a room, you don't necessarily need to see the light bulb to know that the light is coming from somewhere else. No one ever went to a room that is light and asked, maybe there's no light bulbs in this room. Maybe it's just the light, like it's just in the room. Light by default screams I'm, I have a source. I'm coming from somewhere. That's, it, it's, it's, it's something that we take for granted, but in Kabbalah analyzes because it uses the word light, and Kabbalah is used very repetitive, the word light. And everything in Torah is very meticulous, very specific. So if it uses the word light, it needs to mean something. Why specifically light, not a creation? Because ultimately everything is a creation. Even spirituality is also a creation. So... The difference is because light has this, this nature that, that screams, I'm com- I have a source. I'm not independent. Make sense? It's tethered. That it's tethered to something higher, yes. Us, we don't have that feeling. We are born, we wake up. We don't have that feeling, oh, we're tethered to something that's higher and, you know, I must, well, I need to be greater than myself nowadays people are looking for jobs that they're greater than themselves you know but it's not might not be the default and unless you know someone has that realization i would i would consider him a lucky person because a lot of people just have jobs and just you know just go through the motion and and they're happy with it if you have that realization of it needs to be something greater it doesn't make sense that is this is it so then is uh, there's for sure a level of consciousness you know and that is already something to celebrate. Um, but yeah, but this idea of, of, of being a light, that it's tethered to something higher. And as we see it in text number two. Um, Harris, anyone read? Prayer is the process of ascent. It starts from the lowest spiritual point of ascent, step by step to the pinnacle of spirituality. This is the ladder in Jacob's dream a ladder planted in the earth that reaches up to heaven. So too, prayer begins in a lowly earth-like state and ascends gradually until it reaches the spiritual pinnacle, reaching up to heaven. Yeah, the story of Jacob's ladder is it actually that uh, um, there was recently an archaeological finding and they were able to find Jacob's ladder. That's what they claim. Wait, they were able to actually find the ladder? Yeah. That that ladder has to be huge, right? So, 
I'll just give context. Um, the context of Jacob's ladder is that he was on his way traveling from his, from his, uh, from Israel. He was escaping. His brother wanted to murder him, so he was escaping, going to his uncle. And on the way, he sla- he he lay down to sleep, and he had a dream. And in that dream, there was a ladder. And the ladder it says that it was so high that it had the the, the bottom of the ladder was in the earth, and the top of the ladder was in heaven, and there was angels that went up and down. And there's a lot of art pieces. If you are, there's a lot of pieces that we see ladders and angels. And now there's also, I forgot what symbols, but there is still like angels. Um, anyways, whatever. The point is that um, the ladder is part of a dream that Jacob had. And the joke is that um, um, they recently found the ladder in, oh, okay. in, right. in Israel. Yeah. But no one said anything, so I was like, okay, I need to give context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but but that's, the, that's, the, that's the nature of prayer. Prayer starts in the bottom and goes all the way up. Um, in the bottom and up, what I mean is these two levels of consciousness. starts in the level of acknowledging that, you know, we are, our feeling doesn't negate our feeling. Prayer is not going to a synagogue and saying, I'm nothing, I'm nothing God. Actually, there was this, uh, this, One day there was a the rabbi felt so inspired that he went he opened up the ark and he just bowed down and started saying, "God, I'm nothing. I'm nothing in front of you. I'm like nothing in your eyes. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm nothing." So then the 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 you know the president sees that inspiration and he's like also throws himself into the ground. He's like in front of the ark, "God, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm just like nothing, God." So the, 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 the Gabbai, you know, the guy who arranges the books and, and makes sure that everything is in place, he sees both of them, like, you know, just in that, that inspiration. So he also throws himself to the ground. He's like, Rabbi, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. So the president turns to the rabbi and says, huh, look, look, who, thinks, look, who's, look who thinks he's nothing. <laughs> you know, that, that nothing that we think. Point is that prayer is not about negating oneself. Because that usually doesn't doesn't end well, either like this story or just like neglecting either either or it's not the purpose. The purpose is to acknowledge ourselves, acknowledge what's our um, um, consciousness, and to grow into that consciousness. And that's the purpose of ladder. Ladder starts on um, yeah, and we see in Figure three point one in page seventy three. That the six steps, or you know, that the steps or the framework that prayer has, is similar to what we saw in the, the in the cartoons at the beginning. So we have, you know, the, the unawareness that's even that's before prayer. Then we have the acknowledgement, which is modehani or hodu. We're gonna, I mean, we're not gonna have time, but this is the the the, the at least a few of the frame of the framework of prayer. Then we have admiration and association. Those are. Verses of song, intimacy, which is the shaman, the blessings, and beyond self-awareness is damida. That's like the highest level of consciousness that then there's nothing greater than that. And that's the framework that we have for prayer. Over 11 years at Ramah, and this, this made prayer make so much more sense. Sorry? I went to Ramah to Rome, went up from like 6 to 18, 19. We prayed every day. Never made sense. This made more sense than all the years there where they just made us do it just because. Right. And, and it's not only Ramah. Sadly, is a lot of places and a lot of people 
even religious, even rabbis can go through the motions. While they pray, they could be praying because they go through the motions. So you go through the motions is not a challenge um, for some group of people. Everyone has the same challenge. For some people, going through the motions is, you know, uh, X, Y, Z, and then reading or, or praying is totally novelty. And for some people, just saying prayers three times a day is going through the motions. And meditating, so I don't like, you know, focusing, stopping, and making sense of what's happening, that's, you know, not going through the motions. That's like the novelty. So that's why it's important to not have a life, a Jewish life, where it is dry and, and, and going through the motions. That's the whole point of, the whole point of Hasidic philosophy is to make the Jewish life something that is rich and something that makes sense. You know, we're not just keeping a tradition of our parents. Tradition is also part of Jewish life, but it's not the Jewish life. Jewish life, it's more personal than that. And as we're going to see, text number three, I'm going to ask Harrison, because this is on your point, what he just mentioned, this story goes for you. The Magid Mizrah, Mezrich. Mezrich, yeah. Mezrich, thank you. Would pray for many hours, meditating on the Kabbalistic themes explained by the, by the Arizal. So Arizal, Rabbi Isaac Luria, Itzchak Luria, he was a great Kabbalist. And he is the one who, um, who, one of the, there is, I don't know if, if you're aware, but there is like a certain maybe like differences of, of what exactly are the words that we should use in the prayer. So when it comes to framework, everyone agrees. We have, you know, the same framework that we saw before. But when it comes to if we say this words or this other words, if you say, um, uh, if you say nakdishach uh, or if you say nekadesh, uh, like dif- different uh, differences like here and there or, or the nusach sfaradi or ashkenazi, that's mainly the main difference, you know, when, when it comes to what type of sidurim you have. There was different, um, <coughs> different opinions of what should be the prayer. So the Arizal, and that's the way that we pray, that, that Hasidim pray, the, the Arizal kind of made it like a, a, not a merge, yeah, I would say like a merge. He kind of like was able through, you know, through his knowledge to bring together the most appropriate way of praying that is most um, universal and applicable to everyone. Uh, the reason for the difference in the first place is because it's written that each tribe of Israel, those 12 tribes, and each tribe have, had their own language, had their own way to pray God according to their own um, talents and capabilities, even their spiritual capabilities. With time, all of those different prayers that each tribe had, it got lost because all the tribes got mixed up and we don't really know which tribe we're from besides Shachaf, he knows. Um, he's a Kohen. I, I know. You are a Levi? I'm a Kohen. You're a Kohen also? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. A Shapiro? The Shapiro is not like Kohen. Uh, it's Polish for Shapiro. Are the Shapiro a, a, a Kohen family? No, but you know, po- you know Polish goes. A lot of Jews. Right. Oh, wow. Okay, so two people know where they're from. But myself and, and Dustin, I don't think we know which tribe we're from. Unless you know. I think I do. I took my ancestry test. And you're um, Europe? Um, as starts with an A. Ashkenazi? Yes. Right, so Ashkenazi and Sephardi is basically... Ashkenazi and Sephardi is the latest way of how to identify Jewish people. And that is because... Yes, yeah. 
Yeah, Ashkenazi. Yeah, that's yes. the that's the basically referring to the Jews from Europe are referred as Ashkenazim, and then you have the Jews from Asia or the Jews from Africa referred as Sephardim. That was just because like the Portuguese and the Spaniards were Sephardim. Yes, because eventually the 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 the, the Sephardim. Good question. <laughs> when Jews out. got kicked out of Israel, yeah. they got split into two main areas. One was the region that was called Ashkenaz in Eastern Europe, sort of uh, Eastern, certain Central Eastern Europe. The others in Spain. After they got kicked out of Spain during the first and second. Right, exactly. Uh, they got kicked out of Spain, and they literally went all around the Arab world, so mm. North Africa and the Middle East and all of that. Those are Sephardic Jews and Ashkenazi Jews are uh, all the Jews that are coming from the like Eastern Central European region that called Ashkenaz. Mm. Uh, very easy way to, to tell the difference is to look at the color of the skin. Uh, most Ashkenazi Jews are more like brighter white and uh, Sephardic Jews would be brownish Arabic colors mm. more. Yeah, then yeah. someone was Sephardic and I was so excited because I was like, God willing we get married we can have, you know, like rice on Passover. Well, yeah, all those differences. <laughs> yeah, but you also have to, you yeah. know, be up all the month of Elul saying Salichot. So yeah, but also keep three uh, hours between dairy and meat. Uh-huh. Okay, so three you have hours. there's like there's like a a whole balance sheet, and and your your kids will be able to decide. There's Anyways. a whole uh, there's a whole video about a joke about it. Um, what it's better to be Ashkenazi or uh, Sephardic? Um, I don't know if you know um, Baghdad. Uh, it's very funny. Uh, yeah, it's all in Hebrew, it. but they go, you know what I mean? This is be- we're better because of that. This is better because of that, and blah blah blah. And eventually, they come up to the best one is the Yemenite Jews, uh, because they save the most amount of money. Uh, just as a joke, but it was a funny. Just, video. just like a YouTube sketch, something like that. No? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I remember seeing that. Whatever. So, so when when we come to Sephardi Ashkenazic, that's like waited after, waited down the line. So the twelve tribes were. 3,000 years ago, mm-hmm. Ashkenazim and Sephardim was right after, the, right after the expulsion of the Jews from Israel about 2,000 years ago. That is when all these divisions started happening. So Sephardim and Ashkenazi is about uh, 2,000 years old. The 12 tribes is predated the Ashkenazi and Sephardim, and that's like 3,000 years old. Um, but anyways, each tribe had their way of praying. Nowadays, we don't know which tribe we were from. So there is different types of, 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 of sidurim or different types of different versions. It's not like a whole different version. It's just like slightly different version of, of prayer. And, but the Arizal came along and he instituted one prayer that anyone could access, that anyone could, anyone could say, regarding, regardless of what tribe you're from. So, okay, so that I was just making note of what... Kabbalistic explanation of the Arizal. So the Arizal knew all the explanations. That's why he was able to compile a Siddur, a prayer book that is compatible with everyone. Okay, go ahead. Continue. Uh, um, nearby there lived another, another learned, learned and God-fearing man who also prayed with the Arizal's Kabbalistic meditations. But this man's prayer didn't, didn't take nearly as long as the Magid's, making him wonder why the Magid prayed so slowly. This man was a wealthy businessman. Once a year, he would travel to Leipzig to take care of his business affairs. 
Once finished, he would return home and spend the rest of the year engrossed in study and divine service. On one of his trips to Leipzig, this man stopped in um, Meserich to observe the Maigid praying. After the Maigid finished praying, the man entered the Maigid's room and asked him, why does it take you so long to pray? I also played with, Arizal, with the Arizal's meditations, but it doesn't take me nearly as long. The Maigid asked the man, what is your source of income? Every year, I travel to the business fair in Leipzig and buy merchandise. When I get home, I sell it immediately and make a profit from the sales, he replied. And how do you know that you've made a profit, asked the Maggid. I document the prices that I buy and sell the merchandise for, the man explained. I then subtract the buying price and my other business expenses from the sales price. The remaining sum is profit. But why do you waste so much time traveling to and from Leipzig, the, the Maggid then asked. Why don't you just document the buying and selling prices and subtract the former from the latter. The businessman began to laugh. Will documentation itself really make any money? You need actionable merchandise. I need to travel to Leipzig and take the time to actually buy and sell the merchandise. Only then can I make a profit. The Maggid responded, the meditations of prayer are just like merchandise. If you don't actually experience the meditation, it is like only documenting and buying selling, and selling prices. This is ineffective. You need to apply yourself to the meditation and take the time to actually buy something. Only then will the meditations be effective. This is why it make, it takes me so long to pray. Yeah. And I ask you to read it because it's very common to see people doing documentation when it comes to prayers. Come to show, do the documentation, and, and we're done with it. We come, we say whatever the text, whatever is the, the prayer is, we say it, and, and we finish, and we're done. It's not a way to do business, like it says. You need to actually travel there in order to, to make profit. You need to experience it. You cannot only think about it and, and talk about it. You need to experience the traveling and, and leave it, and leave the, the, the not leave, but, but leave through the, experience of, of, of the journey. Go through the journey of going to the market, getting whatever you're getting, getting your um, merchandise coming back. You know, that is an experience. And prayer could be done in two ways. Either it could be a way of documentation where we just read lip service, just read whatever we read. Or, but that's ultimately, that's not the, that's not the goal of prayer. The goal of prayer is for it to be a journey, for it to be an experience. You know, the, the, and the macro way that we're talking about is for there to be an experience of going or, or, or being able to get to this higher level of consciousness. That is the experience. But the baseline is what you said. It could be years, and it applies to everyone. It could be years reading or going to show, but actually never getting any merchandise from our prayers. And that is hopefully what this course, you know, at least gives uh, a poke is your brain to start thinking about uh, what prayer is about and why is it important prayer in the first place. We don't come to shul to pray because, because uh, our parents came to shul. That's not the reason why. Also, we do it because our parents came to shul. We come to shul to pray because that's the best way to experience this. That's the best way to be able to leave ourselves and be something greater than our own ego and our own existence. Um, we're not going to have time to go through all the texts, so that's where we're going to um, 
going to read a few. We're going to just um, skip around. Okay, so text number four. This is the first prayer. As you're going to see the contrast of the beginning of the prayer. And, um, and today we're going to get to Ishtabach, which is like the middle of the prayer. And you're going to see the contrast of, of, of the start and the middle of the prayer uh, experience. So text number four. Dustin, you want to read? I offer thanks to you, living and enduring king, for you have mercifully restored my soul within me. Your faithfulness is great. This is the first line of prayer that we say when we wake up. Prayer upon waking up, what we say is we recognize. We recognize God, we acknowledge God, we acknowledge that our life comes from somewhere. We acknowledge that our life comes from God. And this is not really getting into any details. The, this type of acknowledgement is a very, very general acknowledgement. Not only general in a way or in a sense that there's no details, but it's a very fundamental acknowledgement that regardless of your situation, you could still, you still have this level of acknowledgement. And with understanding this level of acknowledgement, that it's like a, the very most fundamental and, and basic acknowledgement of God, we understand why we could pray and we could say this uh, prayer even before we wash our hands in the morning. So in the morning as we wake up, there's a certain Kabbalah, the Talmud says, that sleeping is experiencing one in sixtieth of death. One in sixtieth? Yes. It's not the same amount of like, the, if you add something to something else and it's like not kosher by a certain amount? So that's also one in sixty. Yeah, but I, I, it might be, it might be, <laughs> might be connected. I don't know of any connections. Okay. At least, I mean, we can make up something, but <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> so the, the, the sleeping, the experiences when you go to sleep, is like one sixtieth of death. Um, so when we wake up, we still have an element of death lingering in the body. Specifically, where in the body? In our nails. The yes. nails have this um, nature of being part of you, but you can clip them also and doesn't hurt. So the nails are like the most dead part of your body. But hair. So hair also, but hair is a, is a whole different reason why hair comes. Hair is a growth of, although it has the same few things. Number one, not all hair could be, could be cut. Mm. A lot of people keep their beard. That's uh, not in a legal way, but more in a Kabbalistic um, uh, reason. Um, but, but when it comes to here, it, it says it's an outgrowth of, of power or intensity of power. Specifically, we see that the human body has hair when it comes to the, the head and the sexual organs. That's where there is hair. Why? Because there's so much power that that power kind of like flows off. Like I'm like... Um, the word exceeds the, the 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 body cannot contain the power and that's how it expresses itself the power that the intensity of the power expresses itself in here and that's why it like it's the what it left over from the power not left over but but exceeds basically overflowing, overflowing. thank you that's the word um, when it comes to nails it says that nails is like the purpose of nails is to not the purpose but it says that nails are usually used to scratch to take offense, you know, and, and, and if you if you charging against someone, so you use your nails. 
and so it's not it doesn't really have a, a, a positive um, nature to it at least not according to you know, to the Kabbalah and and when you cut your nails when you clip your nails sorry you the nature of nails is you're able to clip them so when you, someone wakes up the this spirit of death lingers in the nails of a person and that's why in the morning we wash our hands we take water this is water is life we wash our hands we remove that lingering spirit of death that stays in our body so we could only pray like a, go to shul and pray after we wash our hands and, and that explains because we want to get rid of all the impurity before we go to pray. Is that why when we come back from the cemetery, we also wash our hands? That's correct. We also wash our hands because we have that spirit. That spirit of of, of death is lingering among the, among the people who came to the cemetery. And whereas when you leave the cemetery, is lingering in the in the fingernails. So that's why we wash our hands. Same same concept. Yes. But this prayer we say it as soon as we wake up. We don't need to wash our hands in order to say the prayer of Modani. The reason for that is because this acknowledgement of God, of, of that there is a God, and that God is the one who gives us vitality, is such a fundamental acknowledge in Jewish life that regardless of what level of spirituality you have, you always have this level of acknowledgement. When it comes to prayer at a show, so you need to have a proper, you know, you need to properly present yourself. You cannot just show up. You need to, you need to make sure you, you wash your hands and, and, and you need to make sure that, you know, you, you're properly dressed. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, requirements to show up to show. When it comes to say to this prayer, there's no, there's no like halachic requirement. You could say that prior even to washing your hands. So we see that this level of acknowledgement is such a basic level that is, um, that is um, applicable to everyone. And now we're going to, yeah, so then we have all the steps in the ladder. We could take this home and see how each one of the steps, you know, goes further and further up. But let's just go to, um, step number, text number 12 and page number 89. This is how we conclude the first part of prayers, or one of the blocks of prayers. We finish with text number 12, which reads, Creator of all souls, ruler of all creatures, who takes pleasure in song of praise, you are the only king, the life of all the worlds. And this um, prayer is already a way, it's not the highest level of consciousness, but it's a, more le it's a higher level than starting. It's a higher um, step in the ladder than where we started from. And we have um, the, the main thing or the, the life of all worlds, not only the worlds themselves, but basically have the consciousness that everything in the world is, re is related to God. You know, our work, our life, our exercise, our food, our health, everything in our world has a, a, a purpose and a meaning. And to have a life and mindset of living a life that everything has a purpose, that is living a mindful life. 
not a mindless, mindful. It's not about escaping yourself. I think a lot of times we see that to have mindfulness means to um, to do I don't know to go to a retreat to be mindful. You know then. In other words, once you escape your duties, once you escape your, your life, you go somewhere else, then you could be mindful. And Judaism, I don't think it agrees with that idea so much. That although that might be relaxing, but, that, but that's not the definition of mindful. mindful. Mindful is that when I'm at work, when I'm, you know, in the core, not the core, but when I'm the most busiest with what I have, I know that that is for a purpose. That is for a meaning. And having that meaning in the mundane things that we do, whatever it is, going to the bathroom, eating, uh, uh, having casual small talk, whatever it is, everything's for a purpose and everything has uh, a meaning to it. And that is a higher level in prayer. It's not the highest level in prayer. That's going to be left for the the next class. But we already see the difference that we have. And we already see where prayer is taking us. That's why it's so important to pray. Because we get ourselves a little bit out, out of our own ego and our own needs. And we stop being needy people or needy um, beings. And we become people of service. We become people that are not needed. but people, Sorry, we're not needy people. We're people who are needed. It's not about us at the end. It's about what we could give, what we could contribute to. And that's ultimately what prayer wants to make sure that we have. So I hope this, uh, you know, prayer, that's why it's so important. And doesn't need, you don't need to sh- come to show. Sorry. My, my, no, not, I'll take yeah, that. that, that <laughs> don't take me on that. Um, you need to come to show, but even at home or at your own space, that doesn't mean you don't have to pray because you're not at show. Prayer starts from, from your own surrounding, your own environment. Um, and, but, but you don't need to come to show, though. What? You don't need to come to shul. Well, the best place to daven is a shul. The best place is to come to shul, but you don't need to come to shul. Because if all you do is come to shul, then you're not really coming to pray, you're coming to go through the motions. Correct. So I agree, yeah. You're, would be, a more ideal would be to come to the shul and to pray mindfully. That would be like the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. Right? You, know? you don't have to go to the gym in exercise. order to exercise. It's easier. Better. But but you have the better equipment and you know you're better equipped to to exercise at the gym. So a lot of people just go there and you know just watch the TV. You could do that, but you know. Is it better to go through the motions than not go through the motions at all? Yes. That's what I thought. It is better. And there's there's a lot of reasons for that, and that is like number one, you going through the motions creates um, creates the meaning. Or the, or the, the feelings to follow the emotions. Even nowadays, we have uh, science is catching up to this idea that which means that after your actions, you, you, your feelings follow. If you're not happy, you're like so upset, but you force yourself to smile. What happens? What's the what's the automatic feeling it follows? Happiness. It might not be happiness. It might be in the middle of this middle of the struggle, but there is a certain change in feeling. Some people call it association because your smile when you're happy. So if you force yourself to smile, 
you're going to remember, you're going to associate yourself when you're happy. There's a lot of, a lot of um, theories and, and ideas around it, but there is this concept that if you do, your feelings will follow. You invite your feelings to follow. So that's why when it comes to Jewish life, we don't wait to have all the feelings and to have all the inspiration to start acting. We start acting, and eventually inspiration will come. They made us pray every morning when we were kids growing up at, at Ramallah. We were always very tired. So we all just grew to not like morning prayer because we were forced to do it, and we did not like it. Right. So I, I think that we live in a society now that culture changed really, really fast from our parents growing up. Mm. Really, really fast. Our parents grew up in a, you know, in a world where most of Jew Jewish people were survivors or they had this trauma with them. So the whole approach to education was a very fear-based education. It was very intense, very rigid, and that doesn't, doesn't work anymore. We, nowadays, even, even uh, I'm not talking like in the 2000s, but um, the next generation evolved so, so fast, not so fast, just so drastically different than from our parents' generation that a lot of teachers try to do things the old way, and the only result is trauma. People don't want to come to shul. They have trauma associated with coming to shul. I'm not like talking about you know, people who aren't, uh, I'm talking about religious people who were forced to come to show by their parents. Uh, I'm not saying is uh, everyone, but a lot of people, you know, they- they're, no, That's very accurate. They're, they're traumatic. It was boring, it was like, why am I here? Not only boring, but they were forced to come to show. So these people are married and, and they want to have a meaningful life. They want to go and experience what we're learning. But as soon as they step into show, they go back to being that four-year-old child that has traumatic experience from his father. And it's hard for it, and, and whatever. My point is that, what was my point? My point is that, yeah, that this idea of, of, of going through the motions um, applies to everyone, but it's better than nothing. You know, we're not gonna say, um, let's not do nothing because we don't feel it. You know, we still have to do. Feelings will follow. Anyways, l'chaim everyone. We need to get ready for Passover. So we have actually a few things coming up. We have First Fridays coming up. Send them for that. We have a JBN event on Monday. JBN event is Jewish Business Network. And that is um, where Jewish business people come together. And it's a great opportunity to get to know people, get to meet people. If you're interested in changing jobs, it's a great opportunity to you know meet other people also who... Um, have uh, have businesses and you know that's a great way to network so we're restarting this program JBN we did in the past um, but we're starting it again Monday and then we have Passover coming so um, make sure to have we YGP is not going to be hosting a Seder YGP is going to be joining Chabad in town's community Seder so if you don't have a place for a Seder, join us slash Chabad Intam from the Seder. And, um, and if you have a place for a Seder, make sure to have Shmura Matzah. Now Shmura Matzah is the Matzah right over there. And that's eaten on Passover. So if you don't have that, 
whatever is your whatever is going to be your final um, um, yeah the way you experience Passover either or make sure to have Shmura Matzah so everyone joining